Hi, this is Christopher Framberg and I'm one of the pastors in SOS Church Stockholm. We are an international Pentecostal church on Kungsholmen with celebrations in both English and Swedish. Our vision is to be a church that is for all people and to all nations that are living the Book of Acts kind of life in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. We hope that this week's message will challenge and equip you to live a strong life together with Jesus. All right, my friends. Uh, so good to see all of you here in church. My name is Christopher, and I'm one of the pastors here in the church. And I'm going to preach for you today. I haven't been preaching for months, so I'm going to preach very long. So I hope that you are awake. <laughs> uh, the film that you just saw is a film on one of our new facilities. We will be on venue 81 on Sundays. But we were in need of one more facility for our office, for our Bible school, for youth, for, for kids. And I mean, we've been searching for nine months. We've been praying. We've all been giving and we've been getting ready. And we thought that we had a place a couple of, um, I, I guess, like just before we went into the summer, we found a place that we actually were signing a contract on then we just needed to be accepted by Bostadsrättsföreningen uh, <laughs> I'm sorry uh, and we, we, we really thought that was our place and I, I announced it here and we've been praying for it the bad news is that they didn't accept us they denied that place to us three times we tried over and over again but the board said no with no explanation and so in the middle of the summer, I was a bit upset. I was like, God, this was the perfect place. It couldn't be better than this. Why didn't we get it? We came closer and closer to Bible school start less than one month before it start. And then we got this place. Uh, 50 square meters bigger, 40 meters closer to the venue 81. Come on, it's a better place. So we praise God. We thank Him that He is so faithful that He is providing what we need. And if you uh, want to help out getting that place ready, we will do it in just nine days. We'll tear down some walls. We will repaint some walls and so on. So uh, then you can sign up. I think that we have uh, an email address here coming on the screen. If you're able to help out something in between, we receive it the 15th of August, and we have Bible school start the 24th of August. Is that right, Whitney? Yeah. So uh, if you're available to help out with all of your awesome skills in between those dates, you can uh, write an email to info at soschurch.se, and then we can contact you and try to get you on the schedule, and we will do some, some good work together. All right. Um, everything is now starting up again. I'm excited to step into the, the future that God has for us here. I just want to uh, start up with a story from the vacation. You're kind of in between. <laughs> you, you, you enjoy the vacation, but now everything is starting back up. And I have a picture here. Can we take that up? A picture on my son. My wife is from North Norway, and I tell you, it's a beautiful place in the summer. In the winter, you see nothing because it's dark all the time. But in the summer, it's beautiful. She's from this valley. So one day, me and my father-in-law and my son, we walked three hours from, from in the valley 
up the mountains and, and just on the other side here it was it was a lake with melted water that had been coming down from from the snow that was still on the top of the mountain so it had been ice on on the lake until just a few weeks before we arrived and we took a cold swim not a swim a cold <laughs> in and out jump in jump out uh, up there and, and, and I mean, it was, it was hard to get there. You have to climb some places. You have to walk this, this, this strength path to get into that place. Because it's a place that very few people go to. But in the, in the midst of that place, it was a cabin beside that lake. And I was like, how in the world can you build a cabin up here? And my father-in-law, he... It is his, one of his best friends growing up. His dad was building that cabin. And he told me the story how this man had been carrying up all the building material on his back. And it took us three hours to walk up there. <laughs> and he's not always walking. He's sometimes climbing. You know, like, it's not a path. The only reason we could find a way there was because that man, he'd been putting stones in piles at places so that you can kind of like find the, find the right path so that you can get there. And he had been carrying up all the material to build that place. I was like, how long time did he been doing it for 10 years? It took him 10 years to build that place. And listen to this. He started when he was 76. He was a senior citizen. He had a lot of time now. He'd been building a carbon in his youth, but the snow, it was uh, snow falling down on it and destroyed it. So now he rebuilt a new, better cabin. And he kept on going till he was 86. I was like, how can even an 86-year-old walk up here? <laughs> My father-in-law could hardly walk up there. I hope he's not listening, but it was hard for him. <laughs> and, and, and he was doing that. And, and after that, he just had a few more years uh, to live. I mean, he didn't even have time to really enjoy the vacation on the place. He just built it for the future generation. His grandkids were now there every summer, having awesome vacations up in the mountains, walking up to the tops, fishing in that, in that, that lake up there, because their granddad had been carrying uh, carrying a load, been building that place, been made, walking up a path and, 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 and putting up these stones so that you can find a path. Today I want to preach about being a way maker. I want to preach about making a way for someone else. And I think that this is a great example because this man hardly got a chance to enjoy it, but he left something for another generation. And my dream is that we will all be way makers in Stockholm that are walking up a path for other people to meet with Jesus. I think that, yes, come on, let's, let's give a hand for Jesus. I believe that our nation and our city is in desperate need for people walking up a path, making it easy for people to connect with God. I'm so thankful that we had a man like that in a small, small village where I'm from. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. No one of my cousins or relatives was Christians. Christian. Uh, but there was an old man in the, in the village where I was living that had long lists of the people living on the different streets. You know, the village is so small, so you know the name of everyone living there, <laughs> even if you don't know them. And every day he was praying for the people living on the street, because it was no one that was a Christian on that street. And he was praying that a family was going to be saved. And he was praying day in and day out, year in and year out. 
And, and I still remember as a kid how this old man sometimes was sitting in our kitchen selling this calendar with, with scriptures. So every fall, I guess, he came and he was selling this, this calendar to my mom and was sitting there. And I realized later on that it was a way to testify, right? <laughs> it was not really about making money on the calendar. It's a way to get into the houses to share the faith. And eventually, my family got saved. My parents gave their life to Jesus. And I could follow on that path. But I praise God for a man that was a way maker. That was praying day in and day out. That was sharing his faith. I want us to be people like that. Because this city needs Jesus. And this, this nation needs Jesus. Amen? A bit more than a hundred years ago, we had, we had this legend, Levi Petrus. I think we have a picture on him too. And that was, was the, 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 one of the founding fathers, or the founding father for the Pentecostal movement in, in, in Stockholm. And he led his people to build the largest gathering or assembly hall in all of Sweden at that time. They are building this huge place, the biggest Pentecostal church in, 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 in Europe. During the Great Depression, they were building it. And when you read, you read or listen to all the stories, how people, the women, they took off their shoes, walking barefoot to services. And, and then they put on their, their shoes. They didn't want to wear them out. They wanted to save money to give, give to the facility. And everyone wondered, what did the man do? I don't know. I don't know that story. <laughs> they walked with shoes. Uh, but they paid the price. They were ready to walk up a path. They became waymaker, and still today, people are gathering in the place that they were building up. Thirteen years ago, we planted the church here in the basement, and, and it was planted on a call of God, and we wanted to be part of being waymakers to build an international church for Stockholm, because we want that the people that have never heard about God before, or they are far away from God. We want them to be able to hear God in a way, hear about God in a way that they can understand. We know that the only thing that can change this nation is Jesus. The love, the forgiveness, the gospel that comes with Jesus. And we want to present it to this city. And we are just about to step into a new era, era as a church. And we need people that are way makers. That are not just thinking about themselves, but are ready to pay a price already to walk up a path and leave you know some stones so that other people can walk along and find Jesus on that path are you with me uh, so today I want to preach the last part of our series all things new and you can know probably guess the theme is about being a way maker into the new things that God is going to do and, and, and as I've been preparing, I mean, there is no better person to study in the Bible than John the Baptist. His calling was to be a waymaker. So I want to take you to Luke's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 2. And we will start, a, start up our small Bible study there. Are you with me? Here it's written that during the high, uh, high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas... The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. All right. So when I read this, this is, this is surprising. 
is during the reign of the high priest Annas and then Caiaphas. And, and you think that during this time when the high priest, they are serving before the Lord in the temple. They're coming into the holiest of holy where God's absolute presence is resting. If God is going to speak to anyone, He's going to speak to the high priest. That's what you assume. But He doesn't speak to the high priest in the temple. He speaks to John, a nobody in the wilderness. That's the one that God is choosing and that's the one that God is speaking to. Why is God choosing to speak to John and not to the high priest? I think that there is a couple of things in John the Baptist's life that is qualifying him to be a way maker, to do what God has called him to do. And, and, and if, if, John, that, if, that, if we look at the qualifications in John's life, maybe we can learn something in how we also can be way makers to carry, on, carry out the good news to people in our generation and in our time. Alright, so we will try to find out a couple of qualifications in how to be a way maker. Are you ready to dive into this message? Point number one is calling. Calling. And some of you are maybe like, is that really a qualification? It's not really something that you're doing. No, that's the point. <laughs> that's the whole point. The first thing is not that God is not just choosing the qualified people. He's not choosing the perfect people. He is going to qualify, qualify the people He has called. So it starts with a calling. Jesus is calling for you where you are. Imperfect, in bondage, in different things. He's calling on you. Like He did on all His disciples. And He said, come, follow me, and I will make you into a fisher of man. And we, we can read a story about Peter, about John, and Andrew, and Jacob, and James, and so on. But we don't know how many people that heard those words of Jesus. We don't know how many fishers Jesus passed by and said, Come, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of man. We just know about the people that actually responded and choose to follow Him. So my question is, have you choose to follow Jesus have you choose to follow Him on the path He has for you? Because He is calling, but we need to respond. Why was John in the desert? The story doesn't tell us. But when you read the Gospels, you can see that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the desert. And that makes me think that, that the Spirit of God told John to withdraw into the desert. So we can see in the life of John, he have already responded to the calling. He is in the desert to meet with God. Paul the Apostle says this in 1 Corinthians 1 and 26. He says, brothers and sisters... Think of where you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. So God's whole idea is to choose people that the world don't consider qualified. That the world consider they cannot do it. And he's choosing them. And the people that are responding on that calling. God starts to work with. And start to change. And start to mold. And he's going to use us. So many times I've been asking God. Why, why did you choose me to be a pastor in this church? 
And because I know when I'm praying that God has some great things ahead of us. I know that God has so many good things for us. And, 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 and I, don't, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt what God has for us. I know what He has for us. But when you look on yourself, you can doubt yourself. And you're going to say, God, can you really use me to this? Uh, can you really use me to do the things that you want to do? Maybe, maybe some of you have felt the same. God, will you, you really use me? I don't doubt you, but I doubt me. Uh, but then we need to understand that God is choosing the weak to shame the strong. He's choosing the foolish thing to shame the wise so that he can receive the glory. So that when people look at you and say, you couldn't do this. <laughs> You're not that smart. You're not that good. And you can just say, no, I'm not. But God is. This is work done by God. And that's what we want. We don't want anything else. We don't want to build something that is built uh, in human strength. We want the Holy Spirit to build His church. Amen? So the first thing we can see in John's life is that he is called. And if you're sitting here and you, you don't know what, I, what you're called to, I think that there is a couple of questions that indicate what you're called to. The first thing is this. What's your passion? What do you really have passion about? The second thing is, what's your gift? What are you good at? If God gave you a lot of talents and gifts, He probably thought, had in mind that you should use those gifts. And the last thing is, what break breaks your heart? What is crushing you on the inside when you see it? When I see a city that is far away from God, that are turning away from God, when I see a generation not knowing about Jesus, uh, that crushes my heart. Because I know how much better this city would be if people meet with Jesus and He can be a center of this city. God has a calling for all of us. And there's a place for every one of us in what He is going to do in this city. The second thing that I can see in John's life is hunger. I mean, come on, he's in the wilderness. Of course, you're hungry. <laughs> it's written in, in Matthew 3 and, and, and 4. John's clothes was made of camel hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was loctus and wild honey. It's not a full meal. <laughs> Then you need a lot of lactose and wild honey. He is hungry physical. But he is also hungry spiritual, I guess. Because he is walking out into the desert to, to zoom out to meet with God. Cutting out all the distractions to meet with God. I think that the greatest, um, maybe one of the greatest fight in our days is distraction. We are so easily distracted with everything that is coming our way all the time, constantly. Even sitting in a service like this, people can be sitting in full service and they hear nothing because, because of Instagram or something else going on on their phone. Distraction. You can see them try to read your Bible on a Bible app and, and, and things is popping up, news is coming, and distraction. You can try to, tr try to pray, you know, like... Things is always going on. And I think that one of the most important things is to learn how to cut out distraction. Uh, it was easy for me before I had a family. <laughs> I love to walk up in the morning, pray, and read my Bible, and drink my coffee. I love that. It's, it's the best thing. Start early. Everyone else is asleep. Uh, it's just me and Jesus. I love that so much. 
But nowadays, there is not me and Jesus. There's also a lot of kids. I love them too, but not just that time in the morning, you know. Before, I used to have some worship in the background. Now, is someone screaming. I'm done. Someone is on the toilet. Someone is spilling out a glass of water. The only way to have a quiet moment is to have kids' TV on in the background and instead of worse. You know, like that's going... There is a lot of distraction. When, when me and my wife try to read the Bible at home, at home and everyone is screaming and running around. And not my wife, she's sitting also trying to read the Bible. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's about the focus, right? The only thing that works is to put on my iPod Pro with noise counseling. Zooming out, listening to the Bible as I'm reading it. And then my wife has to deal with the kids because they're running to her instead. That's a good tips. <laughs> uh, John, why is he in the wilderness? Because he's cutting out all the distractions. Now he can hear God. Now he's just with Jesus. And he can hear what the mission he has for him. Once I heard, heard a Maasai in, in Africa telling me how they were killing lions. Uh, because that's how he became man back in the days in their culture. And he, he told me that often they were sneaking up on a lion. <laughs> it's a bad idea, sneaking up on a lion. Uh, but it's better than having a lion sneaking up on you. And, uh, but they, they were like coming and they were, they, were, they were making like a circle around him. Ten, twelve people. So they're coming from all the directions, he said. He said and, and then they were jumping around him. <laughs> you know, in, in, in a circle like this. Uh, because then the lion could not really decide to attack. The lion got distracted. So he was now confused or jumping around. He couldn't really pick who he should take down. And now they could come closer and closer and closer. And eventually when the lion attacked, they were also close. So they could put a spear or a sword in, in, in the lion. Why? Because he was distracted. We need to fight distraction. You need to be able to find a place where you can meet with God with no distraction. That's when He can speak to you like He spoke to John the Baptist. When we are fasting, fasting means abstaining. We're often abstaining from food, but it can be a good idea to abstain from social media or from TV or from other things that is distracting you. You're abstaining from something to focusing in on something else that God has for you right there and then. And we are going to do it when we're stepping into the new facilities. We're going to take a time as a church to fast and seek the Lord together. Because it's not really about buildings. It's about meeting with Jesus and stepping into a new time. In Second Chronicles 16 and 9 is this beautiful verse. The eyes of the Lord searches the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose heart are fully committed to Him. Can you see that the Lord's eyes is now going all over the earth, looking over the city of Stockholm and all the places of Stockholm, and, and He's looking for a man or a woman that are committed to Him, that are fully committed to Him, that's saying, Jesus, use me. Jesus, if you can, I I'm, know I'm, I'm not perfect, but Jesus, please use me. And then He's giving you strength, and He's going to take you and use you to do great things for Him. The third thing that John Baptist had was that he was mission-focused. Mission-focused. He was not aimlessly wandering around, <laughs> spending his days 
He knew that he was on a mission. He knew that God had a purpose for him. He was living with a vision. And we as a church, I want us to be on a mission together. I want us to carry a vision together. And this is how we formulate the vision in SOS. We want to be a church that is for all people. All, all different kind of people, whoever you are, we want to have a mix of all kind of people. For all people, to all nations. We want to reach out to the nations. We want to do mission. We don't just want to keep what we have, but we want to reach out. And we want to live the book of Acts in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. What does the book of Acts mean? You, yes, we, it means that we want to live a supernatural life. We believe in signs and wonders. We believe in casting out demons and healing the sick. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe it's a reality today. We believe, believe in meeting in our homes and, and, and bringing the faith. Not just in, It's not a church thing. It's something we have in our everyday life. We believe that we're all making disciples. It's not just for, for a pastor or for a leader to lead a friend to salvation. We're all living that lifestyle we believe that we can live the book of acts together that's the vision we have we want to be mission focused and vision focused like john was it's written in luke 3 4 that as it is written in the book book of the words of isaiah the prophet a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make straight paths for him Every valley shall be filled in, and every mountain hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, and the rough ways smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. John the Baptist, he was a way maker. He was filling in the gaps. He was lowering the mountains. So it should be easy for people to meet with the Lord. We want to be that kind of people. We want to make it easy for people to meet with Jesus. What is the greatest thing with us coming to a new facility? It is that it will be easier to bring non-saved people. It will be easier for people to find that place. So they can find salvation and meet with Jesus Christ. That is the whole purpose. Yes, it would be nice to be in a city, but the best thing is that more people will meet with Jesus. Are you with me? That is the mission. That is the focus that we have. We want to be people that are mission focused in our everyday life. Are you with me? Come on. John, he was also, number four, he was speaking the truth in love. That's hard sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you just want to tell them the truth. With no love, just, just the truth. Or you, on the other hand, you want to love people, but you don't, really don't want to tell them the truth. You just want to give them a hug and say that everything is well, but you don't want to tell them the truth. And often that, that's two different people. But when you mix it, it's very powerful. Someone said, said that speaking the truth, um, this, I heard something, yeah, like this. Uh, truth without love is mean. But love without truth is meaningless. Truth without love is mean. <laughs> You're just giving them the truth. No love, no hope. I, I heard a message like that one, one that we were on, on, on a festival. Someone was preaching about how you're all, we are all sinners and your only way to hell and da-da-da-da. And after a while, I felt like, where is the love coming? <laughs> where is the forgiveness and the hope coming? 
And I have to step up and say, yeah, but you can also be saved. Jesus loves you. And, and, and I have to add that part. You know, tr if we don't just give people the truth. We give them, them with love. And we don't just give people love. I mean, love is a very good thing. But without the truth, it doesn't lead you anywhere. We need to be able to speak the truth in love. And that was something that John the Baptist was doing. It's written in Luke 3 and 7 that John said to the crowd coming out to him to be baptized, You brought a vipers. And you feel like, is that really with love? I think he said it with a smile. <laughs> Who warned you to flee from the coming breath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. The people, they were very self-righteous. They thought that they, could, they, they were good enough to come with God. But John, he was sharp and said, you all need to repent. But still the people came to him. If you do that without love, people are running from you, I guess. But when you tell the truth with love, People want to listen. And it's the same thing with King Herod. King Herod had been taking his brother's wife, uh, brother's wife. And John told him it's unlawful, that's not right. And, and because of that, the wife hated John and was later on having beheaded. But King Herod, he wanted to listen to John. Even though he was correcting him and telling him that he was living wrong. Why? Because it was something in his voice. Speaking the truth with love that was changing him. And, and I think that this is a challenge for us nowadays. We need to be able to do it. I remember many years ago when I've been, I had some good Christian fr friends when I was growing up. We were, in, uh, we were teenagers together and then I moved, went to Bible school. And, and after a couple of years I was home and I met them over Christmas. And one had a nice jacuzzi outside so we met the day before christmas and we had some good conversations in that pool having a lot of fun speaking about memories and then after a while i asked them okay guys we were six guys we've been hanging out for years before i moved and i said so how are you doing with jesus nowadays and it's just quiet <laughs> no one is saying anything and then my one of the best friend growing up he said told that guy in the other corner he was like you can start <laughs> And all of them told me how they were doing in their life with Jesus. And then, then the guy that I've always been my best friend growing up, he said, yeah, I'm not doing well with that, but I'm, I'm enjoying life. I'm happy about my life. I'm around partying. I'm doing this and this and this. Uh, I will pick up the things with Jesus later on when I'm older. And that morning I've been reading out of, of 2 Timothy. And, as, and, and I quoted a part of it. I said, it's written that in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves and proud and lovers of money. And they will, have a, uh, they will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I said, I read that this morning and it sounds just like you're describing your life. And it's actually written that, that we should have nothing to do with such a people. And I said, you should not live like that. You should turn from that. In, and, and all the good atmosphere disappeared in that pool. And we tried to pick up some other conversations. And after a while, we all, all went home. And I felt like, why did I bring that up? Maybe I shouldn't bring it. it disappear? Why, why, why did I bring up that conversation? And I was a bit sad over that. I felt maybe I should just love them and be nice and so on. But it took a couple of months. And then he called me up and said, thank you for, for, for telling me that. 
those words that you said been ringing in my heart ever since. And now I'm back. I've been founding a church where I'm at. And I'm, I'm starting to read my Bible again and pray again. And, and I learned a lesson that when we speak the truth in love, that is, that is very meaningful and it can change someone's life. We need that in Stockholm. We need that with the people around us. We need to speak the truth in love like John the Baptist. The last thing I want to say is that John, he was very humble. Point five, that's the last point. Humility. I removed the two last points because of you. I know I would preach so long, so this is the last point. <laughs> Humility. In Mark 1 and 7, it's written that after, he says that often may come someone more powerful than I. The, uh, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I'm not even worried to untie his sandals. In that time, it was, slavery was very common, but you were not by law allowed to ask a Hebrew slave to unstrap your sandals and wash your feet. It had to be an un-Jewish slave that did it because that was considered the lowest of the lowest of the tasks. And John said, I'm not, I'm not worthy of being a slave to my master. I'm, I'm not worthy because, Jesus, you are so much higher than I am. I'm a nobody. I'm just making a way for Jesus. Uh, in John 1.20, uh, they come and they are so curious about John, like, who are you? You're doing all of these things. People are coming to you, but John, who are you? And then he said this. He did not fail to confess, but to confess freely. I am not the Messiah. The people wanted to call him Messiah. The one that they've been waiting for so long. And he could easily have said, yeah, it's probably me. And he could have stepped into, into another role. But you know, that's not the truth. No, I'm not the Messiah. And he asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? And he said, mm-mm, I'm not. Who are you then? Are you the prophet? He said, no. <laughs> like short answers. He's not interesting, interested in a question. He could have explained a lot of things. He could have been trying to give him a nice title. But he's just like, no, no, I'm not. Da, da, da. Finally, they said to him, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And that's a good question. What do you say about yourself? What do I say about ourselves? What's the titles we want to put on ourselves? Here is the title John put on himself. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. And he said, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight, uh, straight the way of the Lord. With other words, I am nothing. I am not important, but my message is important. I have a voice, and I want to use that voice to make straight paths for the Lord. I want to build a highway for the Lord to walk on so that you can meet with God. I am a nobody. He didn't want to, you know, put a banner with his own name and say, I, no. He was humble. And I think that's humility is something that we need. If we should see Jesus changing the city, it is not who, about whose name is on a flag. It is about the name that is about all other names. And that name is Jesus Christ. Amen. 
We want to lift up the name above all other names. And that name is Jesus. So who are you? You are a way maker. And we can take up the next picture. You are building a road. You're building a way. You're putting a stone down. Maybe you don't put so many stones, but you put one stone. You take the talents God has given you. You take the passion God has given you. You take what breaks your heart. And you take your stone. And you are part of building a path for Jesus to walk on. Are you with me? We all have a stone to put. We all have something to build. We're all builders. We are way makers. So that we are walking up a way. So that future generations can meet with Jesus. So that your friends can meet with Jesus. It's not about us. We don't lead them to us. We lead them to Jesus. Jesus said this in John 14 and 6. He answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we were driving to Norway, we were in the car 19 hours together with four kids. We were driving. It was a long road to drive. We saw a lot of things. We saw six foxes and six, six moose when we were driving there. And a lot of other things. But not once I was thinking about who built this road. I'm, maybe I'm ignorant. I never thought about the people actually building the road for me to drive 19 hours on. The only thing I thought was, where is this road taking me? <laughs> Am I on the right road? Because I don't want to drive any extra hours. Jesus said, I am the road or I am the way. If you walk to me... You'll come to the Father. And the road, we're all part of building that way. When you're sharing your faith, when you're praying, when you're serving, when you're giving, when you're inviting people to the church, when you're inviting people to your life group, when you're doing different things, you take a stone and you place it on the road. And that road leads towards the Father. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want to know what kind of church SOS is, we are a way-making church. We want people to meet with Jesus. That's our heart. That's what we are bleeding. That's what we are praying. That's why we are sweating. We want to make a difference. And we know that Jesus is that difference that people need. You have been listening to a podcast from SOS Church Stockholm. If you want to know more about the church or have information about our Bible school and leadership academy, go online to soschurch.se. We hope to see you soon at a celebration here in Stockholm or at one of our daughter's churches in Gothenburg or Malmö. Have a wonderful week.